What do cats and hairballs have anything to do with the heavenly sanctuary? We'll find out in this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, it's Justin here on Inverse with my friends in the studio. We are in a midst a 13-block episode of looking, oh man, no, 13-week uh, block looking at the book of Daniel. That's what I wanted to say. And we're in the middle of Daniel chapter 8. Two weeks ago, we looked at Daniel chapter 2. Last week, looked at Daniel chapter 7. And this week, we're in Daniel chapter 8. And each week is a consecutive buildup of the previous week. The first eight weeks, we looked at character. So I'm mentioning this all to you so that you can rewind and stop this episode and catch up if you haven't. But we're going to get really deep into Bible prophecy in this episode. So Siku, pray for us. Pray for us. We need the prayer. I'm feeling we need the prayer here. And we'll get into the text. Mm. Loving Lord, we're thankful for the understanding that we can have of your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we come before you to ask once again that you would illumine our minds, that you'd help us to uh, learn truths from your word that would transform our lives so that we can be a blessing to others as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sebastian, uh, Daniel chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Daniel chapter 8. And this is kind of, again, it's going to get deep and nitty-gritty. So uh, if you're out there watching, we really want to encourage you, don't just watch us. We're not that good-looking anyway. Get into the <laughs> Bible. Uh, read the Bible along with us. I know it's on the screen, and you're going to be reading on the screen. But if you have your Bible or on your on your smart device or whatever, you can you can study with us. Um, if you need a study guide, go to inversebible.org where you can see the Bible study guides um, pertinent for young adults. And if you see the angle we're taking at in the book of Daniel, it's a little bit different than our, than our traditional uh, course of looking at the book of Daniel. But we want you to engage scripture just, uh, just as we are so that we have the same experience together. Uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 1. I'll stop babbling. We'll start reading the Bible. Uh, Sebastian. All right. Daniel chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Yes, please. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision, and it so happened while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there, standing beside the river, was a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west, across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river. And ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him. Attacked the ram and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Okay, we'll stop there. Okay, this is, we're getting into a really cool 
uh, prophecy. And Callie, can you kind of describe uh, for those of the people out there who may be watching for the first time in this mm-hmm. episode, what have we covered thus far? What do you remember the high points in the book okay. of Daniel being thus far? So kind of you alluded to a little bit of before we even got into prophecy, we talked a lot uh, about the narratives mm-hmm. and about the characteristics that Daniel and his friends had, um, things like having a, um, a devotion life worth dying for mm-hmm. and a prayer life and accountability and just these characteristics because sometimes we just look at the book of Daniel and we kind of skim through for the prophecies yeah. and say, cool, we know what happens, all right, moving on. Yeah. But we really spent a lot of good time in the narratives and yeah. the kind of characteristics we need to have. Yeah, and I was going to say, yeah. just to, to go on, sometimes if we're not careful, some some people who study prophecy are, are sometimes the weirdest people out there who yeah, are maybe even the un, <laughs> un, most unchristlike and <laughs> are just into the information and calculation. And I mean, <laughs> and, 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 just, and how foolish would it be to lose your life in the very destruction or prophecies that you're predicting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. absurd. Yeah, but there is also... <clears throat> A certain, you know, uh, a devotion to Jesus, a, a Christocentricity, that I call it, that kind of drives you to understand the prophecies, not for information's sake, right. but really to understand yourself more, mm-hmm. understand the Lord more, and understand yes. how I should interact with my fellow human being Amen. on this earth together. Yeah, it's a deeper experience. And even how these prophecies are given. I mean, in this one, I like he's like, the, the vision appeared to me, me, Daniel, in case mm. you're confused, it was mm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even when prophecies were given to Nebuchadnezzar, it still wasn't even in his hands to interpret mm-hmm. them but it came through God and through Daniel mm-hmm. so even everything even the prophecies themselves the people that it comes through they have to be Christ-centered mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so um, in the two previous episodes, we look at da- uh, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. These two books and all the chapters in between were written in the language called Aramaic, which was the, the language of their day. 2 through 7 is kind of a book in itself, and it was for everyone to understand. It's universal. We looked at the four universal kingdoms that are conquering all around. Now we go into Daniel 8, and Daniel 8 is written in Hebrew. Hebrew specifically geared towards the Jews. Mm -hmm. So this isn't meant for everyone to understand, although everyone should understand it, but it's specifically the audience is for the Jewish crowd. And then we get into rams and goats, which are are primarily Jewish uh, uh, ritual-oriented animals. And so we get very, very specific. It's kind of as if, you know... Two through seven is written in English for whole, the whole world to understand because the majority of the world uses English as the lingua franca. <laughs> but then now in chapter eight, now we get into, you know, the Shona language where only a, a sub people of Zimbabwe really understand. And it's, mm. it's, it's, it's just specifically for a local, uh, local. She's, she's from, she, okay. Um, so Daniel chapter eight, we see two, two animals here. What are those two animals? Just to recap. A ram and a goat. A ram and a goat. Mm -hmm. And the first ram there is going in which three directions? So the Bible says when uh, this ram is moving, he was moving in the westward, northward, and southward directions in verse 4. Yes, and so the assumption is he's going westward. He's coming from the east. He's coming from the east. Yes. And we follow the Bible prophecy already by this time. Uh, Babylon has fallen, so we're in the middle of the second kingdom, so we're in the Medo-Persia, and Medo-Persia had gone actually west West. to conquer all, so so even directionally, we're we're fitting right on, Mm -hmm. and Greece is appearing on the other side, so go to Google Maps out there and actually look (laughs) at the map, so Greece is out there, and Greece is going in which direction, the Bible says? To the east. Uh, Where is it? He came from the west, so he's moving to the east. So he's going east, so even directionally, you got these two things going on, so you got these two farm animals who are fighting and really, Israel is farm stuck animals. in between. Yeah, I don't know if goat is a farm animal. But, yeah. <laughs> it just makes it so funnier. Technically, but oh my 
McDonald? Yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Maybe not farm animals, but sanctuary animals. Probably a better way of saying it. Okay. Okay, so you see here, um, Sebastian, give us more, more details here. We talked about the directions, but anything else we see from these animals? Well, one of the first things we find is that this vision that's given to Daniel is actually, the Bible says in the first verse that it was in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, mm. which we know was the final king of Babylon. So we saw that Daniel chapter 7 was given in the first year of Belshazzar. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we look at this prophecy and this vision that Daniel is having, he's oftentimes starting from the very nation that begins the prophecy yes. prophetically. Yes, yes. So he's usually in Babylon. He starts with the king, you are the head of gold. In this one, it's interesting that Belshazzar is present, but in, in God's mind, it's already moved to the Medes and the Persians. Mm -hmm. So he starts with this, this ram. Mm -hmm. The second thing that is important also to observe is as, as opposed to the animals in Daniel chapter 7, which were unclean animals that would never be used in a Hebrew ritual or sanctuary, mm -hmm. these animals are sanctuary-type animals, mm -hmm. which were very deeply tied into the religion and the practice of the Hebrews, which was how God was showing them how he's going to deal mm -hmm. with the problem of mm -hmm. sin. Okay. Could I? Yes. Secret? Just, just to, to go on the interpretation part, verse 20 and 21 you actually have the kingdoms named. 20 and 21. Okay, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. We want to look at the details first. Well, we'll look at the okay. name because uh, that's, that's, that's kind of the clincher <laughs> there. Uh, let's go look at this ram. It had two horns. One was higher than the other, mm -hmm. paralleling the bear, which is a little lopsided, paralleling Medo-Persia, which is a little bit lopsided because yeah. of the Medo and then the Persia. Persia. Yeah. And then, not Persia, but the, anyway. Persia. Persia. That's all right. And then in verse 5, you have the goat. And the goat's coming out with this humongous uh, horn. Yeah. Yes. And then it breaks up into to, to four later on, yes? Mm -hmm. um, and you see, we talked about this last uh, last week. We had the, the wand breaking the, the four, and yeah. so with the four heads, yeah. So again, parallels are fine all over, repeat and enlarge. Kind right. of like a Google Maps, you're zooming in and getting more details around. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's happening on after that? Well, let's go to verse eight. And Cal, can you read verse, uh, is it verse eight? Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Verse eight. Okay. Therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And there they are. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Okay, so who in the world is this? Siku, what's going on here? Wait, are you going to interpretation now? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can do it. Now you can do it. She's excited. Go ahead and interpret. Well, yeah, pick, pick out the parts that you want well, there. Well, let's study that passage out. Okay, well, I was, I was just going to say that we have, uh, on the interpretation side, okay, we start in verse 15. Like, <laughs> an interpretation is given to Daniel yes. of what he was seeing. Like, yes. Gabriel comes in verse 16. Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Right? Okay, okay. In verse 20... <laughs> Um, the ram which you saw, having yeah. the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. Okay, so, yep. Two horns, like you said, you know, lopsided, they're Media and Persia. Yep. And then he says, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. Okay. Right? So straight up mentioned in the Bible, we don't need yeah. to go into Africa and England and Russia, where right. it's in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when we know that Daniel 2, 7, and 8 are parallel, you know, it, 
the interpretation goes backwards too. Mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. one thing that it adds there is it says that in verse 21, as the male goat is the kingdom of Greece, the large horn that is between its eyes is its first king, mm -hmm. which we can identify as Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. So the, and the, the furious speed with which that goat was moving from the west, not even touching the ground, mm -hmm. was showing how aggressive Alexander was conquering. Mm -hmm. as he was coming towards the east to, mm -hmm. to attack the, the Medo-Persian Okay, kingdom. yeah, okay. Okay, and good. Uh, our interpretation is, is sound thus far, <laughs> thereof. Okay. And then the, the passage that Sakali just read, uh, Siku, can you help us and out And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transition reached their reading? fullness, verse 23. 23. A king shall rise having fierce speeches who understand Sinus' schemes. Verse 24, his power shall be mighty. Not his power, but he shall destroy fearfully, prosper, thrive. So when, when we read before um, in chapter... Seven, mm -hmm. we we heard this language of a, a horn that comes yes. up, right? And we hear that language again, right? Mm -hmm. That there a was little a little horn that comes up. So we're mm -hmm. not talking about Alexander the Great, who's you know it was split into four, yes. like we saw that before. This yes. is another. This is a little horn power that comes up, and it's combined with in verse eleven, he exalts himself. Uh, and you have the sanctuary language there again. The sanctuary mm -hmm. was cast down. So this has religious connotations, again, like we saw in chapter 7. Okay, so thus far we've got 2, 7, and 8 all paralleling each other. We're going here. We are from Babylon to Medo-Persia to Greece to Rome. And then the power after Rome, we found out last episode, was the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, and from the, from the broken, empire, broken nations of Europe. And then what's happening next in timeline? We'll find out after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey everyone, welcome back to here at Inverse. We are looking at the timeline that Daniel has painted in Daniel chapter 8. And so far, nothing new has happened from our last episode because we covered all the empires and all the nations. But there is a new piece of information that comes out in Daniel chapter 8, of which my panelists will now talk about here. Uh, verse 11, um, just to recap here, you see this religious power, religious political, political power. In verse 11, he exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice were taken away. It's, it's as if he's going, you know, he's going horizontally and, you know, he's conquering politically and then boom, his missiles go up and now they're going vertical. They go mm -hmm. ballistic and now he's going religiously and attacking. And this is the, the system that we talked about in episode seven. If you're completely confused, this is part two of the last episode. So pause here, go to the previous episode and then continue here where you took off. Uh, uh, Anyway, verse 12, uh, verse 12, because of the transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices. He cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Okay, so this power mm -hmm. is going up to heaven in a sense, mm -hmm. taking this heavenly sanctuary in a sense mm -hmm. and bringing it down to earth. Now, can any entity really do that? No. Mm -hmm. So this entity is looking at something at what's in heaven and copying that and bringing it down to earth and, right. then, and then manipulating it in the way they want to, yes? And, I mean, that's really the, the whole idea of, a, of an antichrist in the Bible, in the mm -hmm. place of, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're, you don't have to be an opposer from without, but you're a, a, an aggressive opposer from within. Mm -hmm. So he's not coming as an external power to attack God and his system. 
He's yeah. coming as, oh, I'm replacing that system. That's yeah. even more effective. So exactly. it should look yeah. like Christ, but be the opposite of Christ in some way. Exactly. Sometimes we see all these, you know, movies and dumb things about the Antichrist being some, like, you know, he was born some in ghost Rome. or yeah. some enemy or Prince Charles or whatnot. I mean, it ain't Prince Charles, okay? we got nothing <laughs> to worry alone. about that That's guy. true. That's Let true. him and Camilla live happily ever after. Uh, but in verse that. 13, we see here that there is a sanctuary going on, a sanctuary question going on that freaks out Daniel, that he asks the question. How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation in giving both the sanctuary and to the host to be trampled underfoot? And verse 14 is the, is the quintessential answer here. Verse 14, and he says to me, for 2,300 days and the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Callie, what is going on here in this, in this passage? What's going on? Do do There's a me? lot of stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can answer this question. You're the worst. <laughs> um, well, we already talked about a lot of the the antichrist and this idea and um so i don't know how much you want me to answer this mm. so for 2300 years sanctuary, why do you do this to <laughs> um this so people thought the sanctuary being cleansed was a lot of different things mm. um so people thought this was when the world would end mm-hmm. right um so we have that the millerite movement um even some of the Adventist church came out of that later mm-hmm. um but that's it's not what it is mm-hmm. um because we're still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It already happened. So this this time prophecy ended in 1844. Yes. You had the second great awakening all of all around the world, thinking yeah. Jesus was going to come, thinking the earth is a sanctuary, but it ain't. Yeah, yeah and it it, it the it wasn't. Uh, yeah. The earth wasn't cleansed in that sense. Correct. So they what, what they what? so they realized there was a confusion from the fact that there was a sanctuary in heaven. And as through through very clear Bible study, they saw that when God gave the sanctuary to Moses, he was basically showing him a model in heaven. So he says, please make sure you make the sanctuary according to the pattern that I showed you in the mountain. Mm-hmm. So when that re- re- realization came through the leading of the Holy Spirit, he says, wait a minute, we're confused. This is not the, the sanctuary on earth or the earth as a sanctuary. This is actually, there's a sanctuary in heaven. Mm-hmm. And at all these, sacri- the daily sacrifices and the little offerings and the rams and all this stuff was actually a copy. It was a type to teach us about what's going on in heavenly realities. Mm-hmm. And this is where, to, to some people, this this is kind of like, what? Yeah. yeah. What? So we need a moment of silence. <laughs> and just okay. kind of digest that a bit. <laughs> so so God is in heaven, and God is not in some clouds with some, you know, gold and whatever, and he's just <laughs> floating around with harps and, you know, little... You know, you know, fat babies flying around. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, Probably from from. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, but God <laughs> is this described to be in a house, in a mm-hmm. palace of sorts. And outside, you have a big, uh, big barbecue, if you will, yeah. uh, big swimming pool. You know, we call this the altar of incense and the cleansing labor. Inside God's inner inner room, you have a big dining table, the table of showbread. You have a big chandelier. Uh, the gold candlestick and the largest, uh, you know, incense thing that that there is a room freshener, yeah, diffuser for breeze before for breeze, for breeze, yeah. And then in the innermost innermost chamber, you have God's throne, mm-hmm. uh, and this thing is there is not for an edifice to house God, mm-hmm. but what 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 is the function of the sanctuary, Siku? I mean, you go to the book of Hebrews, the entire book is kind of based on this notion of a sanctuary up in heaven. Mm-hmm. So that the things, the realities that are happening in the sanctuary in heaven are, 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 I guess, teaching us about the 
plan of salvation, mm -hmm. like what God does in order to save humanity. Mm -hmm. um, you've got on the outside, you know, that, that altar of sacrifice where Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, in, in the, if you go through the century, talk to us about what God has been doing, has done and is doing in order to save humanity. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding the sanctuary message actually gives us insight into the work that the entire Godhead, that all of heaven engages in, mm. in order to save humanity and to mm. bring the entire universe back into harmony mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I start with the opener about a cat and hairballs yeah, and meaning what in the world is going on. So a cat is known to be one of the most fastidious animals there are. A dog you need to cleanse all the time, but a cat you do not have to because it, cl it, cleans, it cleans itself. Yes, but you know, hair and in the hair follicles are indigestible. It's fiber, right? Mm -hmm. So the, all these things all this loose hair comes from a cat the cat spends all day you know licking itself and 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 and, and pruning pruning itself and is it mm -hmm. just cleaning like cleaning itself yeah. and then you know the cat has little hooks on the edge of its tongue and it's you know it's combing through its 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 hair and then it catches all these loose hairs and swallows it yeah mm -hmm. and as it swallowed the digestive system doesn't digest it doesn't doesn't go out to the other side, yes. it, it just accumulates it and it allows it to become a ball until it gets to a certain time when the fullness of time has come. <laughs> oh. right? Then it needs to regurgitate and a hairball comes out. Wow. So in that sense, in a very, 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 very crude, and, uh, crude sense, <laughs> but in a very easy way to understand mm -hmm. that when we sin, yes, and we ask for forgiveness, God in His grace, He forgives us. We praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yes. But that sin does not poof, just disappear. disappear that that sin does not die along with Jesus who died on the cross. Mm. Jesus' blood allows that sin to be transferred off of our record and yeah. it goes into the heavenly sanctuary. And all these sins, all the sins of humanity have been going into the sanctuary for many, 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 many millennia. Yes, it's yes. been going up there. And it was at 1844 where now the process is now starting for the regurgitation of all these sins to come out. Yeah, mm -hmm. now... Although we're cleansed when we ask for forgiveness, it's the sanctuary that's the only thing that's dirty in the universe, and that building needs to be cleansed. And so the question I have for you is this. Why 1844? What is that symbol? Why, why not during you know, Babylon or Medo-Persia or Greece, Rome, uh, and, and, and whatnot? Why wait till this point in time? No, uh, in, in the Israelite economy, they had they went through these rituals, right? Every single day, they bring their animals, and mm -hmm. they take the blood, and they sprinkle it on, on that veil that was between the holy and the most holy place. Mm -hmm. And so for throughout the year, the, the sin symbolically through this blood is coming in, coming in, coming in. Mm -hmm. But there comes a point in time where it has to be cleansed out, right? Mm -hmm. This is not something that happens every single day. There's kind of an accumulation that happens. And it kind of points to, in, our, in the history of the world, um, over time, you know, things have been building up, right? The world was evil when Adam and Eve sinned because sin came into the world. But there's kind of been an accumulation that has been happening and it's kind of, kind of drawing to a climax. Jesus comes, he dies for our sins, he makes it possible for salvation to happen for anyone. But throughout history, there has to come a point in time, what God has said, is that there'll come a point in time where this stops. Yes. Like, He's not going to let sin continue forever. He's not no. going to, people are not just going to keep sinning, sinning, sinning and repenting. I don't come to Jesus and say sorry so that I can keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Like we want to make progress and God wants the world to make progress to get to a point where we get rid of sin and eradicate this and start fresh, mm -hmm. the earth made new. And mm -hmm. this is what 
the cleansing of the sanctuary sets up is this cleaning process that sets us up to have a whole new world. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Hey. Wow. No Disney reference. It's a right. 90s <laughs> flashback. <laughs> okay. That came out wrong. A whole new <laughs> I, system. I meant to say, yeah. Like a whole I, new I meant to refresh. Say, uh, Earth made new, and it came out yes. the wrong way. But okay. right. And I wanted to also add to that is when you're, when you're dealing with the sanctuary, there were not only daily rituals happening in the sanctuary, but there were annual feasts that happened. And so we look at Passover, where they remember being delivered uh, from Egypt, and then we deal with the Feast of Weeks, which is like Pentecost 50 days later, and eventually it led to an annual ritual, the Day of Atonement. And this was the day of cleansing, which is what the word essentially means. Mm -hmm. And so on this particular day, this was actually the buildup over the year through the feast and the daily things that Siku was describing, that God says, now we're going to be completely cleansing the sanctuary and also removing those sins and putting them where they belong. Mm -hmm. um, and there was two goats that were selected on that particular day. Mm -hmm. And so in this sense, 1844 represents the spiritual reality and fulfillment of that particular festival through the Hebrew sanctuary, which was teaching them the lesson. But somehow through the course of history, Christianity, we've lost sight of those insights mm -hmm. that the Jews and that Jesus was teaching and understood somehow it just wasn't passed down and we missed it. So 1844, there's nothing magical necessarily about the year, but it's, it was prophetically given to us here in this prophecy in Daniel 8 and then clarified in Daniel 9 um, in terms of how long is God going to allow this desecration to take place and when is he going to cleanse it? And obviously that leads us to that anti-typical time. Mm -hmm. and, and that the, the whole cleansing of the sanctuary, the, the importance of that for me personally is that God doesn't just want to clean a place. Like he wants to clean me, mm -hmm. right? So the sanctuary is being cleansed because I've been confessing my sins to Jesus and symbolically they're being transferred over there into the sanctuary, right? But mm -hmm. the whole point of the cleansing is because he's trying to clean my life. And so that becomes significant because there's nothing to clean if I'm not putting anything in there, right? Mm -hmm. So he needs to be cleaning me in order for that to have any kind of weight or any mm -hmm. kind of significance. Mm -hmm. And it also shows you that, that, that Jesus is not just interested in forgiveness he wants to get rid of sin period mm -hmm. yeah. because if, if God forgives me and he's like well Sebastian I forgave you for all these past sins and we all have basements in our lives right dark places that we hope our wicked deeds never come to light and yet God has built a plan in place to remove that mm -hmm. so they never will come to light yeah. and not only that but that God is saying Sebastian I don't want you just to be free from the penalty of sin I want you to be free from the power of sin yes. mm -hmm. and I'm going to take you to a world a whole new world where sin is not mm -hmm. even in existence <laughs> Um, and so in this experience, right, can you imagine living in a society where when the Bible describes heaven, walls are transparent because there's nothing to hide. There's no secret evils going on. Mm -hmm. There's no you can literally let your kids walk for miles and miles and miles in heaven. No worries of kidnapping or injury or harm. I mean, just the, the beauty of that place. But God's saying, I have to deal with sin yeah. in order to get us to that place. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at three Bible uh, prophecy timelines thus far. In Daniel chapter 2, the emphasis was that Jesus is coming again and gives us the timeline about what kingdom would be around when Jesus is coming. Daniel chapter 7 talks about before Jesus comes, there will be an entity, a false religion. So don't freak out. Religion's going to mess up. But God still is in the midst of his people. Amen. And in Daniel chapter 8, we say before the coming of Jesus, but after this false religion, the sanctuary in heaven will be cleansed, which means... Time is wrapping up, and God will not let sin run forever, but he's going to make things come to a close. Hopefully you've been stirred up by these prophecies. I know I have, and my team has. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.